Welcome, friends, to our podcast, Arise, My Darling. My name is Andrea, and I am joined by my very sweet friend, Liz. We want this to be a space that encourages and invites you to become more aware of the ways that God is constantly pursuing you. To awaken you to be on the lookout for sweet kisses our Lord sends you each day, because you have ravished His heart. So snuggle in and get ready for epic adventures, unexplainable friendship, and an abundance of joy. Hello, our darlings. We are so glad you've chosen to join us again. We have a very special guest with us today. Um, Some of you may not know this, but Liz has been in Peru on a missions trip, and we're so very excited about that. But we have the special honor of Liz's mom on the show with us today. How are you doing today, Rachel? I am great. I should say hello, my darlings. <laughs> exactly. You might, you might realize I sound a little bit and I sound a little bit alike. Um, I am so happy and excited to be with you guys this, this episode. Yes. Thank you so much for making the time. Of course, because this is your first opportunity to uh, be on the podcast with us, even though I know you're one of our biggest fans. I've heard that many times from Liz. It's true. I won't miss an episode. Yes. But but you're the mom. So I'm going to take advantage here to get us a little bit more insight into who Liz is. I mean, how often do you get to talk to somebody's mom? So uh, do you have anything for us, you know, just so we would know Liz a little bit better? Well, you know, I'm just going to, as a mom, I'm going to have to tell the epic birth story. Oh, you know, those you things go. when, uh, like, mom, not again. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Elizabeth has always been one of those that has um, done things a little differently. And so about two weeks before she was due, she decided to flip, meaning she was going to come out feet first. And so the protocol at that time was to try to flip her back. Yeah. And so I would have to every day lay on an angled ironing board with my head down at the ground, you know, trying to get her the pressure to make her flip back the way she was supposed to. (laughs) So my husband, Ron, would come home from work and there I would be laying on the ironing board (laughs) upside down. (laughs) You know, he obviously knew what I was trying to do. So fast forward, um, I had was ready to take a little leave of absence from school so I could prepare for her birth. And unfortunately, Ron's grandmother passed away. And so that evening, um, I was just like, I'm just not feeling right. Just something's just not, you know, being your first, you're kind of like, what's going on? Right. Well, sure enough, I was going into labor. Nice. And so went into labor and Elizabeth was still feet first. So Elizabeth came out feet first and she's been running toward our Lord ever since. So what a fun story to share when you kind of reflect on that as a mom Amen. and especially your first, you know, and see what she's doing with her life right now. And it's just really exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh it's hard for me not to share my first story after hearing that one, right? Because that's right. You mine know, that's also, what we do. That's right. That's what we do. We're moms. We talk about those things because no one else is listening to our first stories. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we kind of publicize. <laughs> tell, tell each other. 
but my first, uh, my water broke in church. I kid you not. Like we were all standing there and the pastor said, let's pray. We bowed our heads and boom, my water broke right in church and I had to run up the aisle, <laughs> leaking fluid all the way up the aisle. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, way to start, way to start. And that That's little right. girl, my oldest is on her way to China right now. So it's incredible to watch, yeah. to watch them grow up. Right. It's such a privilege, such an honor. Um, to be a mom. And I know our girls are about a year apart. And, uh, and just for the sake of our darlings, so the House of White and the House of Replogal are pattern each other. Um, so I have two girls, two boys, and so do you. But mine are in a six-year window and yours are in a 10-year window. Is that right? 10, yes. 10-year window. So Yes, because so, Elizabeth is 26 and Gabe is 16. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So... I'm just saying, I might look a little more Catholic on the outside. I'm just saying, <laughs> like we were, we were often asked if we were Catholic because we had so many kids in such a small period of time. But anyway, moving on, moving on, because we're moms and we could tell birth stories all day. So today we are going to be talking about encountering others. And we want to spend some time looking at the Mark 5 passage that is the story of the hemorrhaging woman. And uh, this is a story that's super dear to me, probably just because I'm a woman who's, you know, obviously been in that phase of life. But also there's such a sweetness in this story. And it's a story that's kind of tucked into the middle of another story, which is a little bigger than that, which is the Mark 5 passages of the uh, official's daughter. The man comes to Jesus and he uh, is begging Jesus to come heal his daughter. And so, um, Rachel, would you mind going ahead and reading that for us? We're going to be in Mark 5, 25 through 34. I would love to. And there was a woman who had had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. And immediately the hemorrhage ceased, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. It's just, it just feels good, right? Like it's just, it's the Jesus I know, that, that Jesus would do that. Every aspect of that story just feels like the Jesus that I know in my deep heart. Um, and it just has a good feeling about it, that even on his way to something else, with crowds pressing in around him, he would give that type of, focus and tenderness and care to a woman in desperate need. And I think the thing is, you know, Jesus just meets her where she's at. 
you know, back in history, that was, I mean, an unclean woman was not even allowed in that space. And there she was challenging that and out of desperation. And he just reminds us of our belovedness. You know, when I think of the many podcasts that you guys have done and just that trust that this woman had to have that she's just like, I, I can't trust. I'm not getting anything from the human world. Yeah. So what, what do I need to seek? I need to seek our Lord. Yeah. And she, and her boldness, you know, she was able to do that. Yeah. And it's so beautiful because she's already resolved. And, and it's like you said, there's a desperation in her. She's already resolved that she already believes that if I just touch his cloak, like, like she's so convinced that he's the only one who can help her that in her encounter of Christ, she comes with that desperation and uh, commitment, like a, a faith commitment of, I know he's the one who can help me and I will break the rules and I will do everything I can because I've done everything else. The phrasing in that passage of she spent all her money and grew worse. I mean, talk about brokenhearted and being constantly, like you said, put out of the village and being in an unclean state. Um, and just, I mean, we're women. We know what it means to hemorrhage. Like it is, it is difficult and um, kind of terrible in lots of different ways. Um, when I just think it just shows that suffering in life, you know, even though, you know, it is in essence that we die to ourselves each month. I mean, it's just like in order to renew life. Ooh, and well, it's just yes. like... You know, I just think that part of it, when you look at that for that woman and she had all this trust, but yet when she went to Jesus and after he said, who did this, she was trembling. She was just like, oh, maybe I did the wrong thing. I shouldn't have done, you know, and we all do that. It's just like, you know, we do something out of boldness and you're like, yes, I got this. And then you backpedal, backpedal, back. And you're like, you know, so I think it's such a reflection of how we are as humans as well. It's just like, we, we think we're tough. And we got this and we realize that we, we can't do it alone. Yeah. And so we do have to connect in some way to our Lord. And her connection was touching that garment. And, you know, that was her connection. And she and she felt renewed. But yet also after that connection was made, she started backpedaling and saying, well, maybe, you know, but then she realized that he just, I mean, I mean, I always can envision her, him picking up her face, you know, and almost just holding oh, yeah. her and just like, yeah. my daughter, it's okay. You know what I mean? That's what I wanted you to have all along, but it, you had to choose to connect to me. Yeah, I, It could not have been the opposite way. So I just think that just, it's so beautiful. It is. It is. And I know our topic is encountering others, but I think that that is facilitated when we remember how Christ encounters us, right? Like he sets an example for us as to how to encounter others. And and that's a little bit of what I want to dig in here is he's on his way to something else. There is a great crowd pressing in around him. Um, And you made the comment earlier that she's been bleeding for 12 years and he's going to go help a little girl who's 12, which okay, my mind's blown right there. And I don't even, I don't even know what to do with that, but we're just going to leave that out there for yes. our darlings. But spend some time with that. There's significance there that I, I'm not, I don't even know. Um, but the crowd is pressing around him and he can sense her faith. Isn't that so amazing right there? Like he is 
somehow in a crowd aware of someone touching his cloak with faith and mm-hmm. how different that must have felt for him than all just the crowd pressing in. Because in some ways, I'm sure people wanted to touch him. There probably is almost like a celebrity element to him at that point, right? If an official is coming to him to beg for him to come to heal his daughter, clearly people know who this guy is. But somehow he's able to feel her faith specifically and how beautiful and powerful that is to be in a position where we are becoming aware of the people around us. Because I think there are hungry people around us who desire truth, who desire care, um, who need that tenderness. And sometimes we're so on task, we're, we're not paying attention, right? And I think this is a, we talked about this even in the last podcast, just our, uh, you know, commitment to efficiency often can keep us from being tender and sensitive to the needs of the people around us. And it just makes me think of her littleness, you know, when we think about that and, and we're like, you know, but I'm so, I'm just a little speck in this world. And I just don't know how in all of his greatness, he will even notice me. And yet he did. And I think, you know, so many times, especially when we get in the dark corners of our lives, it's just like, you know, he's not really going to care that I'm over here in this corner and, you know, in my sadness or in my smallness. And yet he does. And I just think, you know, he stopped on an important mission. You know what I mean? He was, he was being taken by this, this man to see his daughter. And, you know, and and in essence, you know, Jairus was just like, okay, why are you dawdling? You know, you've got to get to my needs. Right. Yeah. And so, and and Jesus could have easily said, you're right. You're a much bigger problem. You have a much bigger thing going on than this woman, you know, She's been on this for 12 years. So she, what's another day? Yeah. So the fact that he stopped in that moment and he recognized her and her littleness and her small, you know, part of the world. But then he, then he continues on, you know, and then there's part of you that just stops and goes, oh, but I want to know what happens next. You know, (laughs) what does she do after her disease is, you know, relinquished? What happens? As a woman, too, you want to know that next step. Sure. And that's the one part that I'm just like, ah, oh, I just wish I knew that. <laughs> exactly. But I also, uh, I'm challenged with that encounter that Christ has with her, that he um, he does stop and then she confesses everything that's happened, almost in a confessional way, kind of like, I took something I wasn't supposed to take. Or, you know, that mm-hmm. because of that fear and trembling you were, you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And she knows she's not even supposed to be there, right? Like she has broken some rules to even be in his presence. Um, And she was kind of hoping to do it without getting noticed, I'm going to (laughs) guess. Like, I'm going to touch his cloak and then I'm going to get out of here. No one's going to know. And I almost wonder what was more powerful for her, the healing of her body or the fact that he stopped a crowd of people and gave her honor when all she had experienced for 12 years was shame, right? Because that's the thing. It's not just a physical ailment. It is a public shaming associated with a woman who is always unclean in that culture. And, uh, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, but that idea that he calls her daughter 
and, and there's a very good chance she's older than him, right? Absolutely. Um, but he honors her in so many ways, so many ways in that moment. And I think that is something I'm challenged by when I think of this concept of encountering others is how important it is, particularly in this day and age, that honor be something that is, is just quick on our lips towards others. How do you, how do you see that play out, particularly as a, a, a teacher? Well, and I think it's just such an important thing to teach our kids, you know, that you can teach as much academics as you want, but if we don't raise good humans, <laughs> you know, in our classrooms, and that starts at such an early age of just building that community of kindness. And um, we sit every day and talk to each other and just sit crisscross applesauce, you know, how you do in second grade classrooms. And um, just communicate with each other. You know, what are some things that we're talking about right now and getting them to share and stand up and have that communication time about just their life in general. You know, you're so much more than just a student in my classroom. And, you know, praying over my class before they enter my classroom has just become an important piece to me and just praying for their lives in general. So I just, you know, my perspective as I've grown as the teacher too, because this is my 30th year. How blessed. Um, Let's just give a a round of applause for that one. Well done, Rachel. You know, it has to become so much more. I mean, these kids just become part of who you are for a whole year. I mean, they're with me more than they're with their parents. So, you know, that's such an important role that you have to realize what kind of role do you play in these kids' lives every day? I mean, it's a big role. So, you know, making them a well-rounded person and more than just the academics is such an important part to me, looking at the whole child. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. I'm challenged even with this idea that encountering others is, is everybody. Like I've just bought a little Easter hat for my little five-year-old friend. You know, I'm like, it's the perfect mm-hmm. hat. She must have this hat for Easter. Yes, she must. <laughs> um, but, you know, my daughter right now, we were at a doctor's appointment yesterday and encountering her and walking her through, you know, a doctor's appointment. Um, the encountering changes all the time. It's also the woman at the restaurant yesterday, just asking her name. And, and I was so struck that she was like, she kind of looked at me almost confused. Like, did you just ask me my name? And I was like, you really want to know? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but we have these opportunities to encounter others. And I love what you're saying about your second graders, that they're not just kids. It's not a job. Like it is a job, but it's not, it's so much more than that. And, right. and I do, I applaud the 30 years, but I also applaud the whole mentality of, these kids need social interaction with each other in ways that are not media driven, right? Like I am sure that that is something you've probably seen radically change even over your 30 years of teaching and how that's impacted just social skills in general, probably. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's one of those things that we just can't take that nurture out of the schools, you know, that there just has to be that human touch and we can do as much electronics and, you know, and Zoom calls and things like that, but there's a disconnect there. And we are called to, you know, interact with one another on a human level. And so when we had to be in Zoom a year and a half ago in the, in March, yeah, it's just, it really brings you back to that. And you have a little bit of, you know, there's some reflection in that, that that was a tough time. That was a tough time not to be interacting directly with the students 
and how, you know, they were perceiving learning and things like that. So yeah, I'm so glad we're very thankful to be back in the classroom and being able to interact each day. Amen. Amen. And for whatever it's worth, thank you. Thank you for being a teacher during the, the pandemic. I think I have a personal conviction that all teachers and nurses should be getting a $10,000 check from the government at some point as a thank you for really, um, if you will, nursing us through this very difficult time in, in history. Um, so just thank you for the work that you've done there. So going back to our encountering others, like anything else that really stands out to you in that passage? I think one of the things that caught my attention was I was doing a Bible study with a group and we had used a book. It was called the wonderful name of Jesus. And it kind of goes back to, you know, how we perceive things. So how this woman was perceived and, and what was her stance in society and things like that. But thinking about where we're at present day and they, they use a word called sense knowledge. And you know, we, we gather everything by our senses, you know, what we see, what we smell, what we hear, and, and what we touch. And that's how we believe things is through our senses, you know, and we are called in the name of Jesus to rely on him and trust in him. And that woman went there with all of her senses intact. I mean, everything physically that was happening to her, but she had the best plan. She was going to get in and she was going to get out. And that was her plan, you know, and Jesus went, no, 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 no. (laughs) We made that connection. You gave that trust to me. I'm not letting you go. And he confronts her. And, you know, again, the point that you made that she was just like, and she was trembling. But I think we're called again to that deep trust that even when, you know, our senses are telling us no, or society is telling us and the media is telling us, it's just like, but where do I stand with God? In that moment, when I connect with him, where do I truly stand and what do I truly trust? And I just think that's just such a beautiful image that if you could take a snapshot and you could take that moment that her hand touched his garment and you could pause right there. The power and the connectiveness that happened is just beyond this world. I mean, that's what it is. Amen. Amen. No, oh, that's really beautiful. I, I love that focus on the passage there. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm also challenged personally to bring tenderness into all of my interactions with people that that tenderness he offers her simply with the word daughter, but also, I mean, I think we all know Jesus has the power to heal. I don't know why we don't go to the source more often, obviously. Um, We definitely get stuck in our, I'll figure it out myself type thing. And I'm really thankful that a lot of my sabbatical was don't figure it out, cry out. I'm like, my spiritual director probably said that to me, like, I don't know, a hundred (laughs) times. And, uh, and it's, it is, it's so natural to try and figure it out versus just cry out to God. And that's a lot of what this woman does. But, but once again, if we're, we're looking at how should we encounter others, definitely, um, come to God with the desperation, but I love the way that God comes to her with tenderness Mm -hmm. and provision and kindness. And he sees her. I mean, he really sees her, right? And the blessing that comes, not just the healing, it's almost like the healing was like an entry point 
It was like, oh yeah, of course I'm going to heal you, but let me look at you. Let me see you and let me take away your shame and let me bless you. Um, and then I'll go heal this girl too. You yeah. know, like I can do all that. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's a day's work, you know? Well, um, and, and in present day, somebody would turn around and go, what did you, what are you doing? You know, it would just be, I'm on a mission. I've got to get where I, and you're interrupting me. Yeah. yeah. And I just think, again, it makes us step back in our encounters. Like you said, we don't know their past. We don't know the packages that they bring with them. And sometimes there has to be that, that grace that it's just like, no, there's something more here. And, and you may only have that short amount of time that you're going to encounter this person. Yeah. And what will that, what will they take away from that? Will they take away the kindness that you brought to that conversation or will they walk away and say, wow, right. that was not pleasant at all. <laughs> so I just think again, when those opportunities happen for us and, what, and when our plates are full and, you know, we want to do that, that exactly. snap and we just want to react. Jesus, you know, his natural reaction was kindness. Was. And can I always say that? Can I always say that my natural reaction is kindness? You know, it's something that you constantly have to find the grace to do. Amen. Yeah. And I think I'm also challenged that I don't live such a tight world that I see things like that as interruptions versus Mm -hmm. God appointments. I know that's a little corny, but, but I do think God is orchestrating on a regular basis. And, and I know my mistake is that I'm so convinced my agenda is more important than God's agenda and to receive those, uh, as God appointed times and, yeah. uh, allow those, see, I don't even want to use the word interruption because they're not like, it's an interruption. If, if my schedule is the most important one in the room, if God's exactly. schedule is the most important one in the room, then it's just an opportunity. It's an opportunity to care, to love, to help, uh, to pray for someone, um, yeah, it's a very different perspective on life. And my hope is that that I'm cultivating that part of my soul. Amen. Amen. And I think the thing is, it's just like any well-thought-out plan should be that there's no plan. <laughs> I mean, and in all of our wisdom, if we have gained nothing from all of this, from COVID, from oh, yeah. life in general as a mom, it's just... There is no plan yeah. and you just have to learn to take it as it comes. Yeah. We should and be like expert level people at this as moms, right? Like talk about people with dealing with interruptions on a regular basis. <laughs> Holy cow. I feel like that's the master's level class that we've been taking uh, with these children all of these last 26 years. Right. And so. we hope eventually when we can graduate from all these classes, you know, that we ultimately will be with our Lord. So, you know, that would be the ultimate degree (laughs) for sure. May it be so. So (laughs) I just, I do have to comment when you said, no, no, no. (laughs) Everything in me heard Liz just jump out. (laughs) I didn't know I did that. That was so good. I am sure our darlings are like, holy cow. Holy cow. (laughs) Liz and her mom. They are the same person (laughs) and you're both truly wonderful. And I'm enjoying this immensely. So, well, our darlings, we just encourage you, um, you know, this is just one passage and and the scriptures is this feast 
of opportunities to see the way Jesus encounters people. I mean, this is not in any way a unique encounter. In some ways, it's exactly how he is all the time, that there is a tenderness and a kindness and a truth. In John, it tells us he was full of grace and truth, that he held those in the tension. And this should be our model when we are encountering others. So we just want to encourage you to take some time to think about that and and the ways that God wants to communicate that in your life, but also for the sake of those around you. So Rachel, you know, we do this yes. episode at the end called Sweet Kisses. Are you familiar with this? <laughs> uh, perhaps, just a little bit. <laughs> so do you have a sweet kiss for us? I do. Well, you guys may know about our sweet Aunt Betty. She turned 98 this year on the 10th of March. And we had the opportunity, Elizabeth and I, to go see Aunt Betty. And it was just such a blessing to get to spend some time with her and to enjoy breakfast together. And, of course, we played Euchre. Of course. And it was just so much fun. I mean, what a blessing she is in our lives. And it was fun because Ron had made a, a carrot cake, which is her very, very favorite. And so we got to sing happy birthday to her. That's beautiful. And as we get finished up blowing out the candles and things, I always do this with my kids. I, we always stop and I ask questions, you know, like, what's your favorite color? Okay. What, you know, what, what kind of car would you like when you grow up? And of course it was, it was beautiful because Aunt Betty's like, well, I've always wanted a Cadillac. So it's just like, you know. <laughs> It was just great. And then I asked her, I said, okay, you have been so many places in your life. And I said, what is one place you have never been and you would love to go someday? And she paused and she just kind of looked around a little bit and nodded her head and she looked straight up and she goes, heaven, I would like to go to heaven. And like I said, it just, oh, oh just warm my heart. I was just like, that is a wonderful answer. And, you know, I just, I pray that for her each and every day that, you know, what a blessing she's been in our lives. Yeah. And um, as many years as we can hold on to her here in this earthly world, but also to be able to be with her in our heavenly kingdom. So love that lady. So she is, Aunt Betty is my sweet kiss. <laughs> How about you, Andrea? <laughs> I think Aunt Betty's been a sweet kiss here a few times. I just want to say Ooh. that that is, that is a true. She, she gets top billing at the White House. Amen. Amen. Love that. Well, um, actually, my sweet kiss is our friend Patty. And should we explain the lineage here just really quick, Rachel? You, you should, just because, <laughs> yeah, you just because. So the way it works in the Catholic world, and this is, was new to me, uh, technically, Liz is my spiritual mom because she's the one who kind of walked me through my conversion into Catholicism, which would make you, Rachel, my grandmother. Um, <laughs> that's a good feeling. So Patty, I kind of walked her into the Catholic faith, which would make you Patty's great-grandma. <laughs> Look at that. Feeling good about that? <laughs> I'm feeling real good about that. Anyway, we've had Patty on the show before, but I had a chance to spend a couple of days with her over spring break and took my Jeep, uh, who is named St. Michael and who we adore. But uh, there was just a moment in our weekend where the weather was so gorgeous these last few days. And uh, I asked her at one point if she wanted to drive the Jeep herself. It was, it was like I had granted her one of the three wishes of her whole life. <laughs> 
to just drive my Jeep. <laughs> and she was so excited to just find someone to wave at. That's all she wanted to do. She just oh, wanted I know. to find another Jeep to wave at them. So we just kept driving into the countryside. And eventually we did. We, we passed a couple of Jeeps and she got to wave. And she would have been totally satisfied with that, honestly. But, um, but we just kept driving. And this is one of the things that I've loved doing with, with Liz is just try and, try and get lost. Like, you can't because there's, you know, Wi-Fi everywhere. But you can turn that off and you can That's just right. start driving around. And, uh, and we've probably been driving for an hour or so and went past all kinds of beautiful gifts for her, like a little sheep farm and these beautiful barns and just, just things that were making her so joyful um, with the way God was just speaking to her. She just feel his love and his appreciation. And uh, we got to a stop sign and I don't even know what town we were in. I said, so what are you thinking? You know, you want to keep going or just head back? And she said, you know, what I'd really love is some ice cream right now. Yes, ice cream always saves the day. It does. I kid you not. We literally turned our heads to the left. No. And there was an ice cream shop right Uh -uh. there. (laughs) It gets better. So it's not only an ice cream shop. It is an old-fashioned ice cream shop, which is just like the first place she worked in as a teenager. And she told me these amazing stories and there was a Jeep in the parking lot. And so we were able to do some duck, duck Jeep with that. (laughs) Best day ever. Best day ever. (laughs) But this is again, God is so timely. So timely. Absolutely. And so, so intimate with the details. Yes. Right. That we could never, again, we could never have, you could never have planned that ever. No. And it is the kind of uh, activity, if you will, that I love doing because it, it continues to help me understand that God is paying really close attention. And it's exactly what we keep trying to talk about on here is that he yeah. is orchestrating and he is deeply, uh, he not only knows us because he's our creator, but he's also wooing us all yeah. the time, all yeah. the time. We just have to awaken to it. Um, and all you had to do, Andrea, was show up. That was oh, it. That's it. You just yes. had to show up with a jeep. With with a jeep, which, of course. Which, which, which honestly, I gotta I gotta give you the credit for that, uh, Rachel, because I I rented a jeep and I didn't love it. I'll be honest. Before I had a jeep, and then you went and bought your jeep. What what's your? Yeah. your Her name is Pearl, Pearl, which is my great, which is my grandmother's name. That's beautiful. Her name was Pearl. She was a little sassy. So, you know, it just kind of matches, <laughs> matches my yeah. Jeep. Yeah, that, that is a sassy Jeep. That color is, it, what is the technical color? It's like. It actually is called Bikini Pearl. <laughs> it really is. So, yeah. That's fantastic. But yeah, so good. you sent me a picture of you in that Jeep. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to move from California back to to Brown County. I need to get myself a Jeep. That's what I need. So, so we're Jeep sisters, you and I. Yes, we are. And uh, so you, you, you get some credit for that great grandma of encouraging Patty. It's either credit or that was our, that was our crisis time and we just needed something in our lives. Right. Amen. Amen. Gosh, we had the top off and everything. It was just oh, glorious. glorious. Top of our lungs. Oh, so good. Jeep hair, don't care. (laughs) That's right. right. 
Well, hey, as we uh, wrap up here, I'm wondering if you can read our verse for us this week. Absolutely. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. Thank you.